Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo of Pinnacle. Kind enough to join, as he always does, each and every Thursday. We'll go ahead and tell you in advance today. No show next week, as Martin's going to be on the road. and then. Uh, but I think we'll be back with you in two weeks to catch up on uh, what's happening with financial news and such. Uh, today, we'll be with you for about 40 minutes. We'll uh, talk about some of the stuff in the headlines today, some economic trends and things that I've noticed probably do our our uh, sort of live perusal of the Wall Street Journal, which is something we've done a few times that I've had people reach out and tell me they like. I think we've brought some business to the Wall Street Journal uh, over the course of the last couple of years, <laughs> which is go. good. I like that publication. It's, it's, it's a, if you only have one read a day, I think it's the best read to, 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 uh, to do, but other than rebelgrove.com, of course. That's right. That's right. All right, I'll tell you real quick. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for Corey. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote. Um, the rest is kind of up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And, Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people what's going on at Pinnacle. Indeed, man. Um, man, we are uh, – summertime generally is, is kind of a slow – a slow time for us, which I get it, man. Most times folks are wanting to be with their families. They got a short amount of time with kids with, with school out. Um, but you know, as you said, the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm actually on the road next week going to see uh visit with some clients we haven't seen, you know, in a little while due to COVID. And now that things are somewhat normal again, they are ready for, uh, for visits again. But, uh, you know, one thing we're going to be doing is, you know, going over the plan, especially in, uh, you know, looking at the face of a lot of this kind of uncertainty that's in our environment right now and, and making sure that they are, that they are in good shape, um, you know, for meeting their goals. So, you know, if folks are, you know, have a little bit of downtime, a lot of times summer is a really good time to, to look at the portfolio and look at your plan, make sure that you're on top of things. Cause then once school starts back, things just get wild and people get busy and football happens and, you know, and then we forget that, uh, we didn't do that. So, uh, if, if you hadn't done it and, or you don't have anyone to look at it with you, give us a call 601 957 Uh, and if it makes sense uh, for you and makes sense for us and, and we can, uh, we can be of service to you. We'd love to do that. Uh, and, or you can email us at info at my P I N N wealth.com. All right. So, uh, let's see, we'll jump into, uh, something too, that might be an interesting, okay thing to talk about. And I haven't, uh, it has, this has nothing to do with, you know, investment stuff, but I saw, so this morning I was reading the morning brew, which is another thing I read. It's a little short financial newsletter each morning. And, uh, they were talking about like Phil Mickelson and some other folks were getting these massive payouts on this Saudi Arabian backed golf tour. Yeah. And then I see now they're suspended from the PGA. Uh, which is kind of interesting to so. say. Yeah, the PGA Tour has suspended 17 players playing in the Saudi-backed LIV tournament, which I guess got started today in London. 
Yeah, I wonder. I wonder why the PGA is. Is it because they're no longer, or because they're participating in an event outside of PGA sanctioning? Or I think it's that. Uh, says these players. This is uh, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of of PGA. Says these players have made their choice for their own financial based reasons, but they can't demand the same PGA Tour membership benefits, considerations, opportunities, and platform as you. That expectation disrespects you, our fans, and our partners. That's what he sent to um, to other players. Um, Monahan finished the message with a rallying cry for a membership under siege. He referenced legends Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Tiger Woods, noting that their legacies are inextricably tied to the PGA Tour. Uh, as the letter sets the stage for a showdown, possibly a legal one, between golf's premier touring body and the players who have joined the upstart LIV Golf Series, which is backed by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund and has lured yep. players away with rich appearance fees and lucrative purses that outpace what is currently offered on the PGA Tour. In response, the LIV Golf issued a statement saying the PGA Tour's decision is vindictive and it deepens the divide between the Tour and its members. It's troubling that the Tour an organization dedicated to creating opportunities for golfers to play the game, is the entity blocking golfers from playing. The era of free agency is beginning, as we are proud to have a full field of players joining us in London and beyond. Um, you know, some of this is because, you know, the uh, I'm, I'm kind of reading it here. The split has created awkward questions for players on both sides of the divide. The LIV golfers have been put under the spotlight for their willingness to accept big money from a Saudi regime that critics say may be looking to use the halo from the player's celebrity status to boost its global image. PGA Tour players at the RBC, meanwhile, have been asked to take stances on their missing peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... <sighs> Since its genesis, LIV Golf has been a source of controversy, and those tensions became supercharged earlier this year after the publications of comments in February from Phil Mickelson. In those remarks, Mickelson described the Saudis as, quote, scary while referring to the killing of journalist Jamal Kasagi and the country's treatment of gay people. Mickelson said he would nonetheless consider playing on the circuit. Mickelson, who apologized, was quickly dropped by his sponsors and spent the months since then out of public view. He didn't play professional golf, and his absence was acutely felt at the Masters, where he's a three-time champion in the PGA Championship, where he shocked the world a year ago and became the oldest major winner. I mean, so it's about, you know, it's about human rights, the way people are treated, certain certain people are treated in Saudi Arabia. It's about uh, the treatment of gay people in that country, things of that nature. So, And then the guys who are playing, a lot of times, Martin, it's young guys who just need the money and they're being right. offered so much money that, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I, I I would never, I hate, I hate, I would never. It's one thing to say, I would never. And then the money is such that, do you have a choice? Well, it, <clears throat> I mean, so if you're not, so PGA is, is obviously the highest level of, of professional golf in yes. in the U.S. I mean, I know there are other tours for guys trying to make the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, but none of like, those pay anything like this. This is this is right. this is big money, and so no, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so outside of the PGA, there's no. It's kind of almost got a monopoly on professional golf. Yes, unlike in like professional soccer, it's like there's the Premier League in England. There's 
La Liga in Spain, Serie A in Italy. There's, you know, um, League One in France. There's Bundesliga in Germany. There's so many different professional. I mean, and then there's MLS in America, but I'm talking about elite leagues. Um, you, know, you got choices, but like, so people who, who are British, who, who do, who do, like, if they, here's my ignorance, like, who do they belong to in Europe? Who's their professional association? Yeah, see, PGA? this is, this is, if, if, this is where I'm, I'm not in my wheelhouse here. I'm, I'm not a golf person. I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm, I do a I, show I, I, with I'm Chase Parham, who's really into golf. Um, and he would be able to answer this pretty well. I, there's, there is the, the royal something of, in, in golf in, in England. And I guess it's a subsidiary or an affiliate with the PGA Tour. And maybe I'm wrong here. I don't, I don't know. Gotcha. Um, well, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of what's what, but it just kind of seemed like what well, was another, opportunity for some for people to play and earn money and and i get it there's human rights uh protests for why they saying they shouldn't participate in the saudis but then i don't know it does kind of i read it this morning not knowing anything about it i was like man it kind of sounds like this is revenge this is vengeance against these dudes are you at all interested in the uh the house select committee tonight with the they're going to re- reveal unseen material from the Capitol riot, the January 6th. Are you, are you at all interested in it? I'm interested to know what comes out of it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it live. Yeah. I won't watch it live either. I, I, I'm sure I'll read about it or listen to podcast about it or whatnot, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what they say, but I also like, I don't know. There's, I have a feeling it's going to have a slant, but. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's kind of where we are right now, isn't it? I mean, everything is so slanted. This is this is the part that I don't know that people in my field understand. Everything is so slanted now one way or the other that I don't know that, that the, your average person in the public knows what, what or who to trust and therefore may not trust anyone. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think that's a real possibility. The presentation and then that makes that makes the November elections, you know, very interesting. And I mean, obviously, and the crazy thing is too is, and not trying to to go rabbit trail on this, but you know, people are so quote unquote politic politically charged and motivated right now. And then again, local elections had a almost non-existent turnout. You know, it's funny. I saw someone yesterday, and they had a. Or Tuesday, I should say. I'm on our HOA board, and someone, one of the uh, men on that board had a sticker, the I Voted sticker. And I thought to myself, there's an election? Today? <laughs> there's local elections. I had no idea. Isn't that, yeah. It's it's why I, I think... I think everyone's wrong. I think they do this... Everyone's politically charged, and this, that, and the other. And I think... It's all going to, in November, it's going to be a one-topic election. Money. It's going to be an economy election. I don't think, I think there are people who are obviously going to be concerned, because it it, it certainly appears that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, at least at the Supreme Court level. Um, You know, that's that's going to be quite the firestorm. We've been dealing with that. Um, There was a story that, Frankly, the national media has somewhat buried this week that we can touch on in a minute involving um, 
Justice Kavanaugh. But I, I don't. That that's going to be something. There's 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 obviously going to be a lot of talk about gun control in in the wake of the um, the shootings in in uh, Michigan and then in Uvalde, Texas, at the school. Um, but I still think most people, it's going to be about it's going to be about inflation. It's going to be about the cost of fuel, the cost of energy, the the cost of food, the cost of goods, just the cost of living going up far over what they're making. And I think people are going to push back. I, that's what I'm that's what I anticipate. I don't know that I don't know that tonight, for example, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal. I always like to give credit. This is Scott Patterson's writing. He says the presentation is likely to include recorded testimony of senior Trump administration officials, according to committee aides. Recorded testimony of Trump family members, including Ivanka Trump, could feature in the hearings in, in the hearing Thursday or in future hearings. The hearing will open with statements by Representative Benny Thompson of Mississippi, chairman of the committee, and Representative Liz Cheney, who will lay out the broad scope of the findings of the investigation, the committee aide said. The hearing will attempt to put the events of January 6th in historical context, showing how it was an aberration in American democracy. According to the committee aides, I think they'll have to show something really explosive and really damning to even move the needle right now. That's my opinion. I could be way wrong, but that's kind of what I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, I, I'm I'm on board with you about that. The number one, the number one thing coming into the November election cycle is going to be is going to be the economy. Um, is going to be, uh, you know, people's pocketbooks. And 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 you said it, you know, two years ago when we were talking and during the election cycle that people will vote with their pocketbooks. And the question they're going to ask when they walk into, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying the, the super extreme on either side, cause they're not moving, but the, the people who decide the elections will look and say, Hey, you know, am I better off than I was two years or four years ago? And, um, yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one to overcome for, uh, <clears throat> for the Democrats this November and probably in 2024 as well. Cause I, I don't think we'll be, we might, I think we'll be on the backside of this thing by 2024, <clears throat> but, uh, there'll be, you know, I think there, this is going to draw out a little longer than, than, uh, than people really want. And we haven't really had a lot of pain in, uh, you know, in the economy or in the markets in a while. And I, I mean, and I'm not saying this recession that is, looming, which, you know, I do think that, that we will, you know, hit a recession at some point. I think it'll be pretty mild. Um, but I don't think that, uh, you know, I think that's going to happen right smack in the middle of the, uh, campaigning for the general election. And that's, I think so that's think, what they're going to be talking about. You think about. the recession comes this fall. And when you say recession, cause a lot of people ask, what does that mean? As opposed yeah. to where we are right now, what is a, what, what defines, what has to happen for you to go, okay, that now we are day one of recession. Yeah. Well, you, so you actually, you, that, that, that never happens actually when you go, okay, today is day one of recession because technically if let's just say that recession, we declare a recession this fall then that means that it actually day one was six months prior to, um, you know, to that, to when we declared it, because the technical definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of declining 
GDP, which we had declining GDP slightly in Q1. I don't, I don't think we'll have it in Q2. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, but Q3 and quarter four this year is still, you know, a lot of that is really dependent on what the fed does and, uh, and what the CPI numbers, the inflation numbers tomorrow are going to look like. I think that's really going to dictate a lot of what the fed has to do for the remaining of the year. We know we're going to get the June and July hikes of, you know, a half a percent. That is, I mean, I think you can kind of, you know, ride, ride home on that one, take it to the bank, as they say. Um, and then we'll just have to see what, you know, how many more we get through the rest of the year. And, you know, if economic data starts looking bad, um, and I say, and I guess I should say bad with air quotes because the, the U S consumer and, and corporations historically are still in a healthier position than we've ever been historically. So it's, this is not 2008 by any stretch of the imagination. Um, if we get a recession or not, if, when we get a recession, uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be relatively mild. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of the market doing what the market needs to do might already have happened and be priced in and just might be flat for a little while before it starts going, before it starts rising. But inflation's got to abate at some point. Yeah, because inflation's a big deal right now. I'm reading from, again, this is Rachel Wolf in the Wall Street Journal. She writes, lawn care isn't only a a lot more expensive this season, it's also harder to find someone to cut your grass. For many landscapers, the three biggest costs to running their business, fuel, labor, and equipment, are all surging in price. This means many are now increasing prices for the vast services they offer. The price of lawn mowing services is up 22.4%. Exterior pressure, pressure washing prices rose 20%, and tree trimming increased 9.1% year over year as of May, according to online home services company Angie Inc. Or and and guy yeah, yeah, it used to be Angie's list. Oh, okay. I didn't look at the Yeah, they changed they changed their you. their name. I had no clue. The rapid price and uh, increase in prices means thousands of customers now have to decide between shelling out more money to maintain their properties or losing time they might rather spend in other ways while yep. they are out cutting their grass or fixing a broken fence instead. Are you a yard guy? Uh I hate doing yard work and I do my own yard work. Um and it's mostly because in my area, I had, I had one dude that was on time. And, and when I say on time, I don't mean like, Hey, I expect you here at eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, like if he told me, Hey, I'm cutting your grass on Thursday, the grass got cut on Thursday. Um, and he was, a he was a Hispanic dude. So I kind of feel like we had a little bit of a little kindred spirit with each other too. Um, and he did a great job and then he disappeared. And I was like, well, what, where the hell did Oscar go? And, uh, you know, my wife, he had a little teardrop tattoo on his eye and Jennifer was like, well, maybe he went back to jail. I was like, why would you say back to jail? And she was like, he had a teardrop tattoo, Martin. I was like, okay. And she's like, you don't know what that means. Do you? I was like, uh, no. And she's like, go look it up on, go Google it. I was like, okay. So I'll, I'll let our listeners that are interested in google it but anyway anyway uh and then like two years later he i get a text from he's like hey man do you need your yard done i was like nah i'm good now (laughs) but i just started doing it man because like i couldn't get anyone else to be reliable and 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 in my neighborhood and it may not be like this in in all neighborhoods for our listeners but 
dude, I have been ripped off like three times, um, by people that'll just stop by and they're like, Hey, you need me to rake your leaves or clean your gutters and, uh, you know, trim your shrubs. And, and I would be the idiot and be like, yeah, I would, I'd love for someone to do that and, and then pay them. And then the job didn't get done. And then, so I had people that would be like, all right, I'll, and I started saying, I'll, I'll pay when the job's done. Oh yeah. And then for people sure. don't want, and then they don't want to do the work. Yeah. Cause they, so yeah. Yep. So I'm an idiot. I, I allowed it to happen three times before I said, Oh wow. No. Yeah. I, I like doing yard work. It, I actually enjoy it because my wife likes it to look a certain way and, and no one else doesn't like she wants it. I don't think they would. And so yeah. I kind of know what it is that she wants. And so I, I go edge it and stuff that way. And, that's cool though. I'm, that's service work for you, man. That's like, you know, yeah. that's you serving your wife, man. And that's, that's cool. Like Jennifer doesn't care. And I have, I dude, I need to have some stuff done in my yard too. Like I have water that diverts to the house from our Creek, our little, our little, not our rainwater Creek, not a, like a, it's not a big Creek. It's just where all the rain, rainwater flows. So you've got some erosion houses. issues. We, we had to hire somebody for some erosion stuff. I mean, this has been, yeah, yeah. this has That's been for I mean. us. That's what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get someone to redig my trenches so that the water doesn't divert. But you know, the stuff the that like, I don't want to do that I'm willing to pay someone to do it, it, the prices have gone up, like paint the fence, repair a fence. I, I don't, I'm not good at stuff like that. I, I, I'm good at edging and mowing and, yeah. uh, you know, trimming shrubs and, and, um, you know, blowing everything off and I actually enjoy all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you move something, plant something, I can do all that stuff, but yeah, the cost of stuff has gone up tremendously and you don't even think about it, but like these, these companies, these, and there's tons of them around here and this, I see them just up and down with prices of gas and everything they use yeah. is gas powered, right? Including the vehicles that they drive, the, their riding lawnmowers, their edgers, their blowers, all of that stuff is is gas fuel gas and oil um powered I mean the price of, of for them to do business is is going up in it's such gone a, up significantly yeah it's doubled well and that's and 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 neil that's the 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 nail on the head, and I know that you know this already, but is and I think you know we say that money is the number one issue and but if we dig down one layer deeper, um really it has everything to do with energy policy. Because if energy policy was like it was in a previous administration, although, you know, we got mean tweets and he was an asshole, um, energy policies were different. The The price of gas was, you know, significantly lower. So just the price of everything is going to be, you know, significantly lower. But with it, with it, you're right, dude. I mean, gas is like the wet part or fuel oil is the wet part of the of the ocean. It impacts and touches everything. So that's the one, I mean, I think that's your biggest lever. If you can, if you're a president and you can solve, you know, the energy policy issue and get, you know, um, oil prices. Well, you can, it is for solvable. the consumer, it, you it, know, it, reasonable Then you, I mean, could you think about how much of a quote unquote savior complex someone would have if they were able to get energy oil prices down to $80 a barrel from 120 or close to it today I, I think you could i think you could do it easily i mean i mean I, I, it's been <laughs> why don't we do it it's been done i know we're just being rhetorical with each other here <laughs> i mean we're we're so obsessed with the whole climate 
stuff. And and mm. and and I mean, listen, what's being done right now is intentional. I mean, this is this is on purpose. There's no doubt in my mind. That's not even a political comment. This is being this is this is being done deliberately. And so, can can we go down that rabbit trail? Sure. Because, uh, and I mean, I'm not. I know I'm. I'm not an idiot. But I just like what do what do you have to gain from that? Dependence on government. Yeah. Look, I, is that the is that the end game? I, here's what I, I really. If you're doing it, I mean, here's here's, like, here's yeah, I think so. But I, I think here's here's what. This is what's happening. I I really believe this. This is not, this is not going to make some people happy. This is going to piss some people off, probably. But I, that's what I really believe. I think the people in power today, um, Democrats, the people that are running the White House, the people that are in the ear of of the president. I think most of those people live in the Beltway. Most of those people are academics. They've always sort of lived in areas like that. Most of them have never really had real jobs, if you will. Most of them are kind of career career politicians, career spokespeople, stuff like that. I think they operate in a place that, for them, um, you know, driving a, a an electric vehicle into work, driving it back running to the market, maybe picking up their kid from daycare, whatever the case may be. You can do all of those things each day with an electric vehicle, and you can go back home, and you can charge it overnight, and you can sip your Pinot Grigio and um, you know, uh, talk about how you're saving the world. I, I, I really think that's the way they operate. I, I, I don't think that many of them are actually sinister, or maybe any of them are sinister. I mean, I, I don't. Biden's a walking contradiction at this point because Biden is doing things in his late 70s as president that that he did not say or do as a senator or as a vice president. So I mean I don't even know what to think about Biden other than people are controlling him. But you know like the the Jin Sakis of the world, I mean I, I I don't I think it's pretty obvious that they're where they're coming from and I think they have a sort of utopian view of of the world, and I, I, I've said this many times, I don't believe that those people have any idea what a day in the life of someone in Grenada, Mississippi is like. I, I think it might as well be another country, maybe another planet. I, I don't believe that they understand yeah. that when you ask, when you tell people in Grenada, Mississippi, when the answer is, Hey, I, these gas prices are insane. And the response is, well, if you drove an electric car, and that's literally what they have said at the podium in the White House press room. Right. If you drove and, an electric car, you wouldn't have this problem. And 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 I, I I don't believe they understand that if they could have a conversation with this with the 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 person who has a manual labor job in Grenada, Mississippi, making thirty two thousand dollars a year, that person would look at them and say, I. I I have to have a car to get from where I am to get to work. Yeah, All of the same. A, yeah, I can't a afford a thousand dollar electric car. Yeah, I, 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 nor, nor do I have the the infrastructure to charge it. That's true. 
you know, there was a story. I can't remember who wrote it. It may have and been. We've the, talked about that on the show before too, several times. Yeah, our infrastructure wouldn't handle it. Be able to handle it. The power grid. There is no grid. It. Well, and, and here's another example. If you are, let's say, you're a businessman, you have a, you're a, a salesperson, or you have a, uh, well, like what you're about to do, right? You're about to go see a bunch of clients. Yeah, three thousand miles. If you're driving an electric vehicle, the way that this grid is set up today. If you're driving an electric vehicle, I think you said next week you have to go from St. Louis to somewhere in Texas? Yeah, well, we start in Jackson all the way over to the Carolinas, come across up to St. Louis, you know, through Tennessee, seeing clients up to St. Louis, down to Fort Worth, and then back to Jackson. Okay. It's 3,000 miles we're going to go. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to drive from um, St. Louis to Fort Worth. Somewhere on your drive, you're going to have to stop and charge your vehicle. Well, yeah, that's a 10 hour drive. St. Yeah. Louis to Fort Worth is 10 hours. And the way that the vehicles work, my understanding, is they're sort of designed for the person who lives in one place, drives, you know, to, to, to work, drives, yeah. drives to market, drives to pick up the kids, drives to the baseball game that night, drives back and charges because it does a full charge because you want to run it down to like, I think to about 10% is where you want to run the battery down. And then you want to, Take it home, charge it, give it a full charge overnight, eight hours, wake up the next day, and you're ready to take little Johnny to school and then go to work. And I'm not being I'm not being critical at all. If that is your lifestyle and you can afford an electric vehicle, awesome. You're not having to worry about gas prices right now. You're 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 living right. That's right. But if you are you in this case, or a traveling salesperson who's got to go from Jackson, Mississippi to Charlotte. From Charlotte to St. Louis, from or to Char- from Charlotte to Nashville, from Nashville to St. Louis, from St. Louis to Fort Worth, and Fort Worth back to Jackson. Well, you're going to have to find places all around that you can charge your vehicle. And if you stopped, my understanding, if you stop to give your, if you get down to like forty percent, and you're like, I, I need to get up to eighty, it takes three hours. Well, who's sitting at a place charging a vehicle for three hours? What if the charging stations aren't? ready i mean how does we don't have we're nowhere close as a country to having the infrastructure set up to support electric vehicles as the mainstream mode of transportation we're nowhere close to it we, we, it's it's delusional I, I feel like it's i feel like this is groundhog day and so the answer is should we be trying to get there sure of course i mean it, it environmentally i guess perhaps although there are a lot of questions about how the batteries are made and what you have to drill to get the batteries and all that but that's for smarter people than me but what is obvious to me is that the the centrist this is our problem 10 minutes to go this is this is what's been on my mind for a lot over the last few weeks we have no middle of the ground Middle-of-the-road political opinion is allowed anymore. You, you're, you're extreme one way or the other. So if you, if you are pro-electric vehicles, you say, hey, well, you know, if, if people hurt, then they just have to hurt. That's just the lesson. We, can't, we cannot continue to, to, to drill for oil. We can't continue to refine oil. We, we, there's no way we can, we can have this pipeline uh, that goes through the country. That, that, that was evil. When in reality, the, the, I think people, someone like me would, would listen to a politician who said, look, we do, have to, we do have to pivot at some point 
to uh, electric vehicles, if at all possible. But in the meantime, we can't shut down our ability to, to, to be energy independent. We, we must keep the pipelines open. We must do those things. We need to be doing both. I'd listen to that candidate in much the same way that, you know, like the, after the school shootings, um, people come back and say, you know, we've got to do something about AR-15s and whatnot. I'll be honest, Martin, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm kind of a moderate. I'm kind of a centrist. I'm like, you know, you're right. Yeah. Everyone, and I read that, uh, it, what did it pass the house? Yeah. And they think it's going to die in the Senate or they, vice versa. They think it's going to die in the Senate. And, and in large part, I think because there's after 2020, who can blame anyone who says, no, I know if I give you an inch, you're just going to keep taking, if, if we, there is no meeting in the middle. And yep. so, you know, it's, See, see, to me, there's there's like there's a middle ground that you could find politically on abortion. There's a middle ground you could find politically on, and I'm talking politically. I'm not talking about your morals. I'm talking about politically. There's a middle ground that you could find on gun control. There's a middle ground you could find on energy. But without a middle ground, the two sides are going to race to their extremes. And that's been proven over and over for the past, however long we've been doing this. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, and, and we've gotten, you're right, there is, the, the middle ground is almost non-existent anymore. And we've gotten, we've gotten further to the extremes. And I know the middle ground is alive and breathing, but just not vocal. Yeah, well, because... A lot of people probably listening to me right now would, would be like, hey, man, be careful. Don't don't say too much. You know, there's no. There was a story in, in, in Tampa that's been a big ESPN story that s- several of the Tampa Bay Devil uh, Rays used to be the Devil Rays. They're now the Rays declined to wear the um, pride patch on their uniform in Tampa. And they put out a statement about it. They just said it was something they didn't didn't feel comfortable doing, basically. They're major league baseball players, right? Yeah. Who cares? But ESPN turns this into, and, and, and not just ESPN, oh, they're bigots. They're homophobic. They're, does it matter, really? Does it matter that a handful of players, they didn't, they didn't protest. They didn't say, no, we're not going to play. They just said, we just don't want to wear the patch. That's all. That's it. Does that really impact anything? Is that should that be such a story, or or am I wrong? Like, because I I hear that story and think, okay, whatever. I don't read that as anti-gay or anything uh, else. I mean, just 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 they they weren't comfortable wearing a, a patch, so don't. Freedom of choice, right? Right. I, 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 Isn't that what it's all about? Anyway, is I thought that's what we, my right to choose. Yeah, I thought that's what it was supposed to be all be yeah. about, right? Is okay. You you don't want to wear the patch, don't wear the patch. You do want to wear the patch, wear the patch. Whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't care. You're a baseball player. Yeah, it's like, dude, you want to smoke pot in your house? Go smoke pot in your house. I don't care. Right. You know, you know I if mean, if you want to, if you're, you know, a dude that likes dudes or a a girl that likes girls, that's great. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's that's wonderful. I it doesn't that doesn't impact my my house. I just say, let people be people. Let you do you. I'm going to do me and I'm not going to tell you what to do and just don't tell me what to do. But those guys are being vilified today. 
you know those those players are being vilified today and I, and and that is unfortunate i mean i don't know it just feels oh, like dude. it just feels it, it kind of feels like that's where we are and so as we head into an election season the the media loves to talk about all this stuff but i'm completely with you i th- i think i think a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on gun control i think a lot of people would love to see some form of gun control they would but you know i, I but i don't think they trust the media coverage of of what's happened um and at, at the end of the day it's why i think in november when people go to the ballot box they're going to vote with their pocketbooks more than maybe more than they has been the case in a long long time i think you're right on that I, i'm and i i don't have any i have no reason to think <clears throat> because that's the number one thing people are talking about um is you know cost of gas how much everything's going up you know and when is it going to end? And, you know, and then I'll, I see it on my Facebook feeds all the time. And, you know, you got some guys like, oh, we're going to. And then, and I don't believe this at all. But, you know, it's my my nut friends that are all super to the right is we're going to have ten dollar gas before this thing's over. And I'm just like, no, we're not because <laughs> well, ten dollar gas. No one affords anything. And we are we are not in recession. We are we are in a massive depression getting our asses kicked. Well, I, mean, this is, I know you got to go in a second, literally like two minutes. This is a story from Wall Street Journal. US, as U.S. gas prices approach a record average of $5 a gallon, fuel costs are rippling through almost every corner of business with signs emerging that the rising expenses are beginning to alter consumer behavior. This is where we're going. Yeah. Uh, the price of saying the yeah. whole time on our, on our show, man, is people will start making alternative decisions. It's happening now. The price of regular yep. gasoline averaged about $4.97 today, up about 26 cents from the prior week, and nearly $2 a gallon higher compared with this time last year, according to AAA. The steady climb in prices comes as the U.S. economy's recovery from the pandemic has, has let loose pent up demand for travel by road and by air, with many returning to work commutes. Prices of gasoline as well as diesel and jet fuel continue to face upward pressure for many reasons that are unlikely to go away soon. Oil and fuel production hasn't increased quickly enough to meet growing demand as economies emerge from pandemic-related restrictions, blah, blah, blah. The results are widely being felt from the food, automobile, and trucking industries to airlines, retail retail stores, and service stations, and even in the oil and gas business itself with potential political consequences for President Biden and Democrats seeking to maintain their control of Congress in November. Last paragraph here, record high gasoline prices threatened to curb some fuel demand, according to analysts, economists, and executives. Drivers are now buying fewer gallons on each visit to gas stations, but making more frequent trips to fuel up. People are going to change the way that they do things, and that is going to force a response at some point, and if that response doesn't come by November, the voters will force the response at the polls. Yep. Well, I can tell you on our road trip that we have that starts tomorrow, our 3,000-mile road trip, I've already told Reed, I said, because Georgia's state government um, pulled all their gas taxes off of yeah. gasoline just to help the consumer. And I was like, uh, first fill-up we're doing is in Georgia, and then I'm trying to find Costco's as we, you know, hit our road trip, because, you know, I mean, I'm, I have a business now that, that I own and I'm very conscious of decisions and versus just, you know, rolling into the Chevron that's right off of the interstate. That's going to be, you know, just all 10, 20 cents higher than what it should be anyway, just out of convenience. 
I'm going to try to find the Costco's. I'm going to try to find the, yeah. You know, hey, well, let's get to Georgia and we'll fill up in Georgia. And we're going to be on the edge of Georgia before we head up to Knoxville. So we may swoop down <laughs> into Georgia well, again and fill back up. Here are the prices. We, I mean, airline fares went, went up 18.6% between March and April. Yep. They're up 33.3% from a year earlier. Mondelez yep. International, they make Oreos and other yep. snacks. They says that the overall input costs will be up about 10 to 13% this year with energy prices adding to the cost of transportation, eat ingredients, and packaging. So whether you're flying on a plane or you're just wanting some Oreos to dip in your milk, everything yeah. is skyrocketing. There will be a price for that. Yeah, there, and it's all because of oil. Yes, it's all because of energy, every single yep. bit of it. And so when these people, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make fun for a minute, when they sit in the Beltway and they go, well, just buy a, buy a Tesla. Buy a Ford Lightning. The response, I think, from Flyover America is going to be screw you. Yeah, I hope it is. Yeah. Because I knew, I knew, and I'll say this real quick, and then we do have to roll. When I was in D.C. working from 2007 through 10, I know oil, uh, gasoline prices were, were pretty high during that time period. And I didn't even know because I didn't have a car in D.C. I took the bus to the train station, the train station into... Uh, the, I never drove a car for, for four years. I didn't drive. And then the, at the end, I was a block and a half walking from my office. So I didn't even take trains and buses at that point. And everything was in my community. Like I could walk to the grocery store. I walked to the pharmacy. Everything was within walking distance. So you're a hundred percent correct. Cause I was, I was there. I did it for, yeah, you know, for four years. It's, and I was totally disconnected to the real world. Yeah. All right. I know you got to go enjoy your trip. Safe travels, you, man. And I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks on the next yeah, Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for uh, this episode. Hope you have a great weekend out there. Be safe, and we will talk to you again soon.